Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry skies, see your hand in time, and mine to lead me through the night. going to deviate from our sermon series today. I've been in a series, First Things. And if you came today looking forward to another message in First Things, I apologize. Come back next week. I'll get back to it. But today, I'm going to minister from Psalm 142. At least we're going to start there. Psalm 142. I'm going to look at some scriptures, just three passages in the entire message. And then we're going to respond to God. We're going to pray. We're going to talk to God. Have a conversation with the Lord. It's my prayer. And every one of us would have the most real, genuine, candid conversation with God that we've ever had. I feel, preacher, like I really, I just tell God everything and anything. Awesome. But I hope our conversations today, it's my desire that our conversations today are just, can I say, raw with God. That we would trust Him with our greatest hopes and our greatest fears. That we would approach Him. transparency let me let me show you the kind of conversation I'm talking about Psalm Psalm 142 Psalm 142 this is David speaking writing he says I cried unto the Lord with my voice and with my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication I poured out my complaint to him. I showed before him my trouble. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. It's like he caught himself. I told God all my complaints. I pointed out to him all my troubles verse 3 that I realized when I was overwhelmed he, he knew where I was my reports were no surprise to him in the way wherein I walk they have privily laid a snare for me look at verse 4 I looked on my right hand behold but there was no man that would know me refuge failed me no man cared for my soul. So verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Verse 6, attend to my cry. He's talking a lot about crying. I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Verse 7, bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. 
the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. I noticed in recent weeks, I was searching for some books and a lot of titles and subtitles of books anymore say how to give you a title and then the subtitle how to thus and so or the very title says how to had a little bit of car trouble and I was doing some YouTube searching and man all the videos come up how to how to how to I'm gonna minister from this topic today how to survive in a cave how to survive in a cave Jesus your loving holy presence has been so evident in this place already today already Lord you have heard and are responding to our prayers and our desires you are dwelling in our praise as you have promised continue Lord your powerful saturation of us as mere humans anoint our minds and our attitudes and our spirits to hear and receive and respond to your word move in every life today visit every mind and every heart every will in the saving name of Jesus Christ we pray and you say amen amen you may be seated Psalm 142 that we just read you, you read that psalm you listen to that psalm you hear the verbiage and you recognize the tone it's a tone of trouble it's a tone where there is struggle going on you can hear the man's lament he is in a low, low place. He speaks about his soul suffering, his soul. Bring my soul out of prison. The man not only feels physically trapped, but his core spirituality is suffering and struggling. He is, he is confessing he is in a tough, tough place. He recognizes part of that tough place is not just enemies and not just his circumstance, but he feels abandoned, feels like he is all alone. He feels like no one understands or comprehends what is happening in his life. No one knows the troubles he was seeing. See, so you read about the story of David... David was just an ordinary guy, brought up in an ordinary family of shepherds, farmers, folks on the hillside with livestock. As a young man, he was trusted to shepherd. He was trusted to look over and to see of the feeding of the flock. 
From that place, he had some powerful God moments. He had some times where the Lord powerfully moved on him. Not only was David a, a, a man of the, the fields and a man of, of shepherding, but he was gifted with some talent. He could play a harp, and he played it incredibly. He wrote songs. He was a poet. And he would, out in those fields, in the time when the sheep were fine and grazing, he would create and craft songs. We see them even today in the Psalms. And he would write of things in his life unto the Lord. And in some of those moments when he is feeling close to God, he is being very transparent and open with God, he's feeling the power of God, he then would be threatened. He was threatened once by a bear and by the power of God. This poet, this musician and songwriter tore that bear to shreds. On another occasion, a lion threatened the flock. And this young man, under the power of God, killed the lion and was able to overcome Word got out about his anointing and his singing and his heart playing. And the king at that time, Saul, was having really some emotional and mental struggles himself. He was having some spiritual battles. And, and someone suggested, bring the boy from the field and, and he can play the harp and, and it will soothe the king. And indeed, that's what took place. And and then uh, there were times he would play and times he would be welcomed and times he had dinner at the palace. He became close friends with the king's son, Jonathan. He, they hung out together. They went on hunting trips together. They went into battles together. There was a threat to the Israel army and, and the threat was a massive giant by the name of Goliath. And, and everybody was scared to death. The bravest of the brave wouldn't face the giant. And they were allowing the Philistines to dictate how to fight. What a foolish thing. And David, the shepherd boy, the ordinary guy, the regular fella who knew the fields, knew the, the, the flock, he knew the music, he knew the singing, he knew the poetry, the verbiage. He said, I'll fight that character without allowing the Philistine to dictate the warfare, he went out without the typical armaments and he went out with a, a sling and five smooth stones and he ripped one of those stones through the air and smacked that goofy Goliath right in the forehead and down he went. Some believe he died on the spot. Others think it just knocked him out cold. Doesn't matter. David trounced over close to the giant, picked up his massive sword, wielded it up into the air, and removed the man's head from his shoulder. Certainly, he was done now. When that victory happened, the scripture records, the entire community of Israel just went gaga over David. They loved their king, but they sang, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And, 
And man, this young man is on the top. He is at the pinnacle. There have been a series of God's smilings and God visitations. There's, there's been a series of favor of God in this young man's life. And now it would appear that he has being celebrated not only among God and the presence of God, but the people are beginning to lift him up and to celebrate him. And then things start to change. Because the king was not a spiritual man. Saul was not a man after God's own heart. Saul was a man who loved his power and a man who loved the attention and the man who felt like it all belonged to him. And, and so the king, who had once welcomed David to his table to have dinner with him, turned on him. One time during a solo concert David singing playing the harp the king threw a javelin at him David skillfully ducked and it missed him but he tried to kill that young man and David went on the run he retained his honor he retained his character he would not attack and retaliate against the king he was by principle that wasn't something you did but David took off on the run Saul was hunting him, sent out battles and battalions to hunt him down and to have him killed. And David's on the run. He gets into another country and thinks, you know what, they'll welcome me, they want me, but they're suspicious of him and, and they are afraid of him. And David gets a sense of what's going on and he starts acting a bit crazy. And when he gets away, the Bible says this in 1 Samuel chapter 22. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him, unto David. And David became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. That's why David was prayerfully lamenting in Psalm 142. If you look at the beginning of Psalm 142, it says... A psalm of David when he was in the cave chased by Saul. How to survive in a cave. You know, as it plays out, King David, David is, uh, the Bible contains more than 60 chapters dedicated to telling us about the life of David. There's only one who's got more pageation in Scripture, and that's Jesus Christ. Sixty chapters about David. In the New Testament, he's mentioned more than 50 times. It was David who would later establish, arguably still, one of the most renowned and important cities in our world, the city of Jerusalem is known as the city of David. In fact, the Messiah, the one who would come, Christ Jesus himself, the Son of God, is known also as the Son of David. 
But at the writing of Psalm 142, none of that has come to pass. None of that has happened yet. Rather, David is in a cave. David has been chased into a place. David feels distraught, feels left out, feels alone, feels like he's on his own. But the curious thing to me is Psalm 142 is not the only psalm David wrote in that cave. He also wrote Psalm 57. In Psalm 57, we read this. The same man, in the same place, in the same circumstance, says, Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in you. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Verse 2, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. I'm going to call on God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him who would swallow me up, Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. I, I lie even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Verse 5, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They've prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They've digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. Verse 7. My heart is fixed. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, sultry and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. There's a different tone in that psalm than the first one we read. 142 is recorded as a prayer of David. In exasperation, in a moment, in trial, in circumstance, he, he hit his knees. He found a, a place in the cave and, and he called out and everything in him for God. But Psalm 57 is recorded as a song. A song that requires some more processing. Requires some more thought. Requires some more evaluation. 
required some poetic discourse and working out some chords on the harp and putting together the rhyme and the syntax and the syllables of a song. It, it required more thought process and I submit to you today that the same man in the same place took a different tone after he poured his heart out to God, after he was transparent, after he shared everything in prayer, he sat back from that place and began to think a little more about who he was in the kingdom of God. He began to think a little more about who God is. He began to think a little less about his circumstance and think a little less about his situation and think a little more about the one who had called him into this marvelous light and to think a little more about the creator of heaven and earth. Different tones, different perspectives. In one psalm, David sees that cave as protection from his enemies, as a, a rest and a refuge that God is allowed. But in another psalm, he sees that cave as a prison. In one psalm, he thinks he's all alone. But Samuel records 400 were gathered with him. In the other psalm, he recognizes the supporters. In one psalm, he's focused all on the problems. In another psalm, it's about his Savior. In one, he sees the hazards. In the other, he sees a deliverer. This is the same man, same circumstances, same cave, different perspectives. As Nick did such a great job opening the service last week, he brought it to our attention about how David has ups and downs. They're recorded very clearly, very directly in Scripture. Some days he is soaring, and other days he is lower than low. What do you want to know from that? We need to know that David was as human as we. How did David respond to those varying feelings? How did David react? How did he survive in a cave? I want us to understand very clearly today when you read the Psalms, he may ask God, where are you? But he never blamed God, never pointed the finger at God, never said, you're the reason for my problem, not in David's vocabulary. He may have felt very low and his emotions taken him down and he said, you know, nobody, there's no humans to help me and nobody knows, nobody understands, nobody cares. David may have felt that way, but he did not blame God. Furthermore, when he's in the cave and situations change, he's not the hero in the parades in downtown Jerusalem anymore. He's not the one eating dinner at the king's table anymore. You would think when the tables turned and when things got bad, human nature says it's time to distance yourself from God. Human nature says it's time to push God away. All of a sudden, it's not easy anymore. All of a sudden, it's not blessings anymore. I was riding high and doing good. It's not happening anymore. And you would have humanly the desire to blame God and to distance yourself from God. But that's not what David did. The situation may have driven David to the cave. But in the cave, David remained faithful to his God. His circumstances never wavered his 
allegiance. David was a man after God's own heart. Did he understand everything? No. Did he have it all figured out? No. Did he know the end from the beginning? No. But in his heart of hearts, his allegiance remained. I will stick with God. How did he survive in the cave? I'll tell you very simply. In Psalm 142, he prayed. He got on his knees. He opened up his heart and his mind. And he spoke plainly and candidly, frankly, transparently. He talked to God. There was no sugarcoating. There was no holding back. There was no trying to make it pretty. David just laid it out. Here is where I am. And having done so, he then allowed what he knew about God, what he understood about God, his experience with God, to take over and to craft a song. As you read Psalm 57, there's a man playing a harp. Still in the cave. Circumstances still stink. But now in that cave, he continues to return. My soul trusts in you. In the shadow of your wings, I'll make my refuge, not in a, in a cave, but in his wings. I will cry unto God most high, the God that performeth all things for me. As he plays the chords of the harp, he is singing his convictions. He is singing his trust and his faith. And he says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. He makes it clear, my heart is fixed as he reminisces about his God, as he thinks about his Savior. There's no wavering. He says, my heart is fixed, O Lord. In fact, he repeats it. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. That's how you survive in a cave. You don't turn on God. You don't distance yourself from God. But when you're in a cave, and it's not your doing, it's not your bringing, you didn't end up there on purpose. But life has dealt some cards that you just had them in your hand. And, and situations have come that have trapped you in a place where your soul is desperate. Can I compel each of us to learn from David, the man who founded Jerusalem, the man who is known, Jesus Christ, as a son of David, the second most prolific naming in Scripture. Can we learn from an ordinary human who came from an ordinary family, working an ordinary job, but transfigured by a powerful creator to be something beyond mere humanity can we learn from him and say in the cave I'm not hiding from God I'm not blaming God but I will turn to him and I will tell him everything 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 Perhaps in the sound of my voice, you might relate to David's cave. 
Perhaps your life has taken some unwelcome, uninvited turns. And not long ago, you were the hero. Now you're an enemy of the state. Good times have become bad. Ease is now struggle. Peace is now turmoil. Maybe you're like those who joined David in the cave. See, he wasn't the only one. The Bible says, those who were distressed came with him in the cave. There were others distressed. Those who were in debt, their finances were a stinking wreck. They went to the cave. Those who were discontented, the Hebrew says, bitter in their soul. They went in the cave. Maybe it fits for us today, some here. What you once saw as protection now feels more like a prison. Oh, will you hear from David today? And will you just talk to the Lord God Almighty? All over this house, front to back, would you close your eyes just to allow you to focus on the things of God? If you're watching online, do the same wherever you're viewing. Would you, would you raise your hand and just reach out to the Lord wherever you are? If there's any element of these psalms that speak to you today, you feel like you're in a cave, you're in a circumstance, in a situation you didn't plan, you didn't invite, it seems like it's come on you and now you have to live with it. Would you just begin to tell God right now, all over this house, hallelujah. If that's not your case today, would you just begin to pray the Lord's victory and comfort and power and mercy and grace into every life in this house? Come on. All over this place, there are hands extended. There are, are those being candid with God. Come on, be transparent with Him. If you think God's let you down, tell Him. If you feel like you're in a place that you shouldn't have been left in, tell Him. If you feel like you've been cheated, tell him right now. Come on, just be candid. David didn't hold back. If you feel like you're all alone in your circumstance and there's nobody could figure it out or run it, come on, be honest with God right now. Just tell the Lord how it is. Come on. As you're speaking right now, you are feeling the holy power of God. He is responding as he did to David. He is working in lives to those that will be open to him, those that will be candid to him. Come on, if your soul feels wounded, the very spiritual depths of your being feels like it's struggling and hampered and hindered, would you talk to God right now? Just be real with Him. Share with Him. Speak to Him. Be open with Him. Oh, that's beautiful. Come on, that's beautiful. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. You don't have to hold anything back. You don't have to peel those back. You don't have to put on your game face for the Lord today. You don't, you don't have to pretend that everything is fancy and fine. You don't have to act like you do around your school friends. You don't have to put it on. 
like you do among extended family. You don't have to bury that like you do in other circumstances. If I just ignore this, if I distract myself with other things, if I pretend like it's not real, hear me in the eyes of God, in the hands of God, we can confess everything that's going on in the cave. The Lord is ministering in this house right now. The Lord is visiting in the lives right now to everyone who would be transparent, to everyone that would be sincere and genuine. The Spirit of the Lord is moving very powerfully in this place right now. Cry out to the Lord. David said he cried out. He raised his voice. He let his passions and his emotions be real and genuine. He asked the Lord to hear him. He let the Lord know, I'm really low right now. I'm really desperate right now. I'm in a, I'm in a poor, poor place right now. My soul is in prison, Lord. I, I feel bound. I feel constrained. I feel restricted. I, I feel like I'm in a place where I, I can't get free of what I need to be free from. Go ahead, pour out your complaints before the Lord. Explain Him your trouble. Explain to Him your circumstance, your disappointments, people and places and things that let you down. Folks who you believe should have been more but weren't. Folks who should have stepped in but didn't. Expectations unmet, desires unrealized, perhaps being entirely candid and entirely open with God and expressing our concerns. Perhaps that would be seen as maybe the easiest of David's steps. And the next one that he illustrates might feel like a bigger ask. Because the way we like to pray is, get me out of the cave. The way we like to pray is, put an end to my hard times. But I would tell you, before that happens, we got to follow David's example that says, Lord, I trust you anyway. I trust you anyway. My faith is in you anyway. My heart is fixed. If you feel that way in this house, that your determination, your heart, your spirit is fixed on God Almighty, would you stand and would you extend your hand? Would you reach out to the Lord and begin making declarations of praise? I want our worship team to come back right now. We're going to sing as David sang. We're going to magnify the Lord in song. And as they prepare, I, I want you to make declarations and commitments. I, I want you to make it very clear, Lord, I, have, I am faithful to you, Lord. I trust in you. I know, Lord, you are there for me, Lord. When my soul is among the lions, I want you to be exalted. I want your glory to be above the glory of all the earth, Lord. Even though I don't see the way, 
way out. I, I, the cave looks like it's blocked right now. I, there's still the enemy surrounding and the camps below. I, I, I don't see the end of it, but I trust you in this. My confidence is in you, Lord. My faith is in you, Lord Jesus. I trust you. Something about God. He does not show out his best for fair-weather friends. Amen. God does not display his most wonderful things for those who often blame him and see him as the problem. Rather, when we rightly recognize he is the solution, when we rightly recognize he is the answer, whether or not I've got the answer right now, whether or not it's displayed right now. But when we live in that commitment, he is the answer. I don't need to look anywhere else. He is the answer. And when we live that way, in that confidence, my heart is fixed. Well, there's just no measuring all that God can do in a life. He responds to those who are committed and faithful to him. I encourage you, if you're not in a cave right now, life is likely to bring one our way. And it happens to the best of us. Read your scriptures. Look at all the people of God. They lived lives like you and I. Scripture does not profess that disciples live lives as a bowl full of cherries and whipped cream. It's not biblical. That's the American dream. It's not the biblical reality. But he is faithful. He is faithful. He walks with us. He stands by our side. And in the end, he turns all things work together for good. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good. That's the way he operates in our lives. If you've experienced that to be true, would you just raise your hand? Just, I wonder how many have seen that. Yeah, looky there. The Lord works that way in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord today. Those that are watching online, thank you for tuning in. We look forward to the time when you join us in person. Uh, yeah, it is better here than online. Just want you to know that. Great to have everyone in the house of God. Visit with one another. Greet one another. We'll come back to our series next week, First Things, and we'll talk about putting God first in our thoughts and in our mental capacity and our understanding. How do we do that? How do we honor him in priority and quality with our thoughts? That's what we'll talk about next week. This week, be the best neighbor you can be. Be the best coworker you can be. Be the best friend you can be. Let the Lord's Spirit work through you to impact everybody around you. And as you're registered for faith groups, continue to have a wonderful time in there. Lord, bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness. If you want to give today, we've got a basket in the back. Online is available 24-7. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus.
You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Ghost.